Read from Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bible, turn with me there, please. And I will start. And it came to pass in those days, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went, went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, being great with a child. And so it was, that while they were there, the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swollen clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the ink. And there went in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flood by night. And, lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swollen clothes, laying in the manger. Take your hymnal again to 105. Page 105, we'll sing the first verse of Go Tell It on the Mountain. Chapter 2, verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the angels said one to another, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go, now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God 
for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Take your hymnal to 78, hymn number 78. We'll sing the first verse of O Holy Night. one of the deacons here. I'm going to be reading uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Scripture says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, three w- there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Take your hymnal again to page 106. We'll sing the first of We Three Kings of Orientar. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar. Christmas, everyone. Uh, my name is Michael Monks. I tend here faithfully with my family. Uh, I'll be reading Matthew 2, 6 through 10. 
And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye found him, bring me word again, and I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they had saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Thank you, men. It's a wonderful thing to do to gather around together and read the Christmas story and remember in a season that is uh, filled with all kinds of, uh, of lights and, and gifts, gift giving and, and holiday shopping. And, and while none of those things, I think, are wrong on their own, uh, sometimes they, they crowd Jesus out of the picture, don't they? It's good to gather together and, and honor the Lord on his birthday. I want to just share with you a, a few thoughts tonight from God's Word. Um, and uh, again, this service will be right out an hour long. In fact, it might even be a little shorter than that. We'll see how it goes. But let's go, if we could, back over to Luke chapter 2, where we began this evening. And we're going to look at a few places in the, in the Scriptures. I'm going to show you both in the Old and the New Testament uh, uh, the birth of Jesus and talk about what all of that really means, why we do all that, why we have that. And uh, what um, what that means, not just um, not just on a wide scale, but what that means for uh, each of us. Luke chapter two, let's look, look back at with me, if you could, at verse number 15, it says, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord uh, hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them uh, uh, concerning the child. And all they that heard it wandered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so glad to be here this evening. Uh, Lord, we're so uh, so excited to be able to celebrate your birth. And Lord, I, I want to say thank you that we live in a country and in a time and place that still takes time to celebrate the most important birth that has ever happened amongst mankind. God, you looked down on us with pity and saw that we were broken and in need of salvation. And you sent your son, your only begotten son, to be born amongst us, to live for us, and then God to die in our place. And then, Lord, you allowed that son of yours to resurrect from the dead, giving us the gift of eternal life. And as we look at the whole thought today. Lord, may it move us to see that this is something that isn't just about a holiday. It's something that ought to, ought to help shape our entire lives and our eternity. Help us tonight.
to understand the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Yesterday morning, I preached a sermon uh, from this pulpit about the four different responses to that very first Christmas and how those responses are still happening today. Today, we talked about how that most missed out on Christmas because of activity. Boy, they were hustling and moving about and uh, consumed with uh, getting themselves to their own cities of their lineage so they could pay the taxes put on them by the Roman government. And uh, they were uh, on the move and Joseph and Mary arrived in town and every inn was full. And so they were relegated to a stable and the baby Jesus was born there uh, just within a few miles of hundreds, if not thousands of people. And all of those people, they missed out on the birth of Jesus. Why? Why? Because they were busy doing something to them that was important, but they missed out on the most important birth in all of history. Why? Because they were busy running around taking care of activity. We talk about how Herod uh, hated the idea of anybody coming up and overthrowing his throne and He missed out on that first Christmas because of his anger. We talked about the religious leaders that uh, knew all about the coming Messiah. They knew the scriptures and they knew that Jesus had most likely been born. This Messiah child had just been born a few miles from where they were sitting, but they did not get up and go uh, see him. Why? Well, because of apathy. And then we talked about the shepherds, how they did go and they worshipped Jesus out of adoration, out of adoration. And we want to pick up, I would like for us to pick up there tonight and consider those shepherds, how the angels appeared in the sky that first Christmas evening and they sang and they announced the birth of the Messiah, of the Christ child, the one that would come and save uh, his people from their sins and give us a chance to be redeemed and, and, and have our peace made with our eternal God. Those shepherds, they got up and they left their sheep in the field. They made their way uh, there to uh, the stable and they worshiped that babe uh, that first evening, the baby Jesus. And I'd like us to consider four thoughts this evening along uh, the lines of, of understanding why Jesus came and what all of that means. First, notice with me this. Let us adore his birth. Let us adore his birth. Um, uh, take your Bibles with me. If you have one there in the pew in front of you or you brought one with you, turn over to Isaiah chapter number 53. Isaiah 53. Now, I want you to uh, know that we uh, at White Oak Baptist Church, we work really hard at using the Bible. All right. This isn't um, uh, uh, anybody's show. This uh, church isn't about lifting anybody up or glorifying anybody but God and his word. And so we gather here this evening with the intent of not letting uh, me give you my opinion, but letting the Bible tell you uh, what truth is. Because I believe with all my heart that this book is holy, that it's perfect. It isn't just some book filled with fairy tales that tell us how to more or less live our life. No, this book, every word of it was given to us by God and every bit of it is true. It prophesied many things. Everything that is prophesied has either come to pass or is yet to come to pass. Uh, But uh, we know it to be a book that's true. It is infallible. It is perfect. And it is God's word tonight that we want uh, let to speak to us. But let us adore his birth all the way back in the book of Isaiah, several hundred years before Jesus would ever be born on earth. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah would predict all sorts of things about the coming Messiah and Jesus Christ 
would fulfill every one of them. Uh, Interesting enough, the Bible has 39 books in the Old Testament. It has 27 books in the New Testament. The first uh, 39 books of Isaiah are condemning in nature. They speak of judgment and wrath in nature. And uh, uh, the first 39 books of the Bible are about the law, God's law. And why did God give us the law? Not so that we would try to keep it and act like we're better than each other. God gave us the law to prove to us that we all fall short of it. Some of us fall short more than others, but everybody falls short of God's law. Uh, The last 27 chapters of Isaiah, uh, uh, that uh, again, 66 chapters in Isaiah, 66 books in the Bible, the last 27 chapters in Isaiah, the first nine chapters give hope to Israel, the last nine give hope to the world, the middle nine give hope to the nations, and right in the middle of those nine, we find chapter 53, right dead center of these 27 books, and what do we find in chapter 53, but a prophecy of the birth and death of of Jesus. Look with me at Isaiah 53 and verse number one. It says, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Verse two, for he shall grow up before him. He, he, this Messiah shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So what do we know about this? Jesus that would be born, this Messiah that would be born. We know that he would not be someone who would be dripping in popularity. This was not someone in his time that everyone was running to and wanted to see him uh, in his early years, in his early days. He was born out of a dry ground. Isn't that just how Jesus came into the earth? He wasn't born with fanfare. He wasn't born in a palace. No, he was born in, an, in what would comparatively be the parking lot of a hotel. What did everybody ride into Bethlehem that day to pay their taxes? Well, they rode their donkeys. And where were those donkeys parked? Well, they were parked in the hotel's stable or in our day, the parking lot. And when Mary and Joseph got into town, there was no room left in the inn, Luke 2 tells us. So they were relegated to the stable. They had to push the donkeys out of the way. They had to straw, uh, strew, strew the straw out there, lay it out there. And Mary had to give birth in a very uncomfortable setting. And he was born in a in a very lowly way. And that's exactly how the Bible says that things work is God loves to elevate the most humble amongst us. He loves to take the simple and use that to confound the wise, the weak to show up those that are mighty. Let us adore his birth. Hey, you're here this evening because you want to make a big deal out of the baby Jesus. You want to make a big deal out of uh, his birth and his coming. And I've got to say that tonight that that is admirable and congratulations to you and not just uh, 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 coming to this time of the year and uh, uh, exchanging and being involved in all the secular parts of Christmas, but coming and being part of worshiping the baby Jesus. But I'm here to tell you tonight that if all you know about Jesus is that he came to earth some 2000 years ago and we have a day on the calendar set aside to celebrate it, my friend, you are missing out on the real purpose of what Christmas is all about. Let us adore his birth. Number two, notice, let us appreciate his death, appreciate his death. Now, as a pastor, I have many duties and and titles that uh, 
uh, I enjoy. There are many things I do that I enjoy. Probably my favorite thing I do as a pastor is going to the hospital after a mother gives birth and holding that baby and have, taking my wife with me. And, and uh, I, I love babies. If anybody see me around babies, they know I just love babies. And I love new life and I love new birth. But if there's one thing I don't enjoy as a pastor, it's when someone that I love and that I pastor dies. And, and I have to bury them. And i got to say, there's very little that I actually appreciate about death. Am I alone on that this evening? Uh, I don't really look forward to uh, getting that phone call. We have several elderly folks in our church. And I'll have a phone call. My phone will ring from a relative of theirs. And I'll look down at my phone and I'll say to myself, Oh boy, I hope this isn't one of those calls. And and I pick it up, and most of the time it isn't, but occasionally uh, it's someone on the other end, and they're saying, uh, my mother passed, or my brother passed, and, and you, you, as a pastor, I'm there to comfort them, and as a church family, we're there to help them through that difficult time. You say, well, pastor, what an odd thing to talk about at a Christmas Eve service, that we are to appreciate His death. Listen, the purpose of Jesus' coming was to die. Now, I imagine when Jesus was a seven, eight, nine year old boy and he would have heart to heart conversations with his mother. I imagine he and Mary would maybe sit there at the table that he and his dad had built. His dad was a carpenter. They built and put there in the house and he'd sit there with his mom up late at night and he would explain to his mom. He'd say, listen, I am here on earth. I am God born on earth and I am not here to lead a political revolution to overthrow the Roman government and reestablish Israeli prominence on the global scene. No, I am here to, 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 to conquer a different kingdom. I am here to conquer the kingdom of darkness and offer hope to all people. And the only way I can do that is to die, is to die. And Mary would say, well, I just don't understand. And, 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 jo- and, and Jesus would explain to Mary that I must bear the sins of the people on my body. I must die so that I can give to them eternal life. Look back there with, with me at Isaiah 53 and look down at verse number three. It says he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid As it were, our faces from him, he was despised and we esteemed him or elevated him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Look at verse five. But he was wounded. Why? For our transgressions. He was bruised. Well, why? Well, for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep are gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Lastly, look at verse 8. He was taken from prison And from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. Why? For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Was he stricken? You see, the story of Jesus goes well back beyond his birth. It goes all the way back 4,000 years earlier to the Garden of Eden. God made humanity. He made Adam and Eve. 
He made them perfect. He put them in the Garden of Eden. They had no desire to sin. They had no longing to sin. They had a perfect marriage. They had a love for each other. Can you imagine all the husbands and wives here tonight? Can you imagine being married and never having your spouse ever get on your nerves? Wow. That was Adam and Eve. They had no sin or strife in their marriage. And then one day, Lucifer was thrown out of heaven for raising up in his own pride. And he came to earth and he said, well, if I can't have heaven, then I'm not going to let God have his prized creation. And uh, Satan inhabited a, a snake and he slithered up to Eve. And prior to the fall, animals, at least we know snakes, could talk. Eve was not at all surprised by that. And uh, Satan slithered up to Eve and he said to her, Hey Eve, what is this tree here? Does God say that you can't eat of it? And she said, Not only can we not eat it, but we can't touch it. And if we do, we're going to die. And Satan uh, told her a bold-faced lie. He said, You're not going to die. Well, last time I checked, Eve's not around, so that wasn't true. He said, God knows the day that you eat of that, you're going to become like a God in that you're going to know the difference between good and evil. Well, sure enough, Eve ate the fruit. Then she took it over to her husband, and her husband had to make a choice. Do I love God more than my wife, or do I love my wife more than I love God? And uh, uh, Adam reached down, and he chose to eat the fruit and be condemned, come under the sin curse, the sin condemnation of Eve. And uh, God came down and said, hey, what did you do? Why are you hiding? Did you eat the fruit? And he blamed his wife. Nothing new there. She blamed the serpent and, and God punished all three of them. And then God took a little lamb that day in the garden and he killed that lamb and he used the skin to give them clothing uh, to wear. And that lamb that died that day was a symbol of another lamb that would come and would die. You see, there had to be Old Testament sacrifices, animal sacrifices all the way up to the death of Jesus. The reason why you find so much animal sacrifice in the Old Testament, but you don't find it in the New Testament, is because Jesus was the last sacrifice. He was the perfect sacrifice. And one of the interesting things about Old Testament sacrifices is they would take the animal and they'd lay that up there on that brazen altar and you would take your hands and you would place your hands on the head of that animal. That would signify the transfer of guilt off of you onto that animal. And then that animal would be killed. You see, that's exactly what happened when Jesus was placed on the cross. God in heaven took our sins and transferred them onto Jesus. The Bible says that he was killed. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment of our sin was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. It doesn't say by our good works we're healed. No, by his stripes, we are healed. If there's any question in your mind tonight about how it is that you make peace with God, how you secure a home in heaven. Uh, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament answers that question as he writes to the church of Ephesus in his book there, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Then he says this, listen closely, not of works. Why? Lest any man should boast. If getting to heaven was a matter of me being a good person, then you know what I would do? I would turn around and brag about how well I'd behaved. That would totally undo all the good I'd just done. 
No, the Bible says there is an equation for you to make peace with God, to have your soul salvaged or saved or rescued. It's this. It's God's grace plus your faith. That equals salvation. Again, Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace, that's God allowing Jesus to come and die on the cross. Are ye saved? That's the end result. How? Through faith. You see, God, when he allowed Jesus to come to earth and die on the cross, Jesus did something for you. He purchased a gift. That gift's available to you. Let us, this time of year, adore His birth. Please understand this evening that the whole reason why the Christ child came to earth, why God left heaven and wrapped Himself, robed Himself in flesh and became a man and walked among us, the only reason why Jesus did that was so that He could go and die on the cross. Let us adore His birth. Let us appreciate His death. Number three, notice, let us admire his resurrection. Let us admire his resurrection. If you have your Bible there, we're done in Isaiah 53. Turn over to Luke chapter 24 with me, if you would. Luke chapter number 24. And we find at the end of all four of the of the Gospels, uh, the greatest event in the history of mankind. In fact, if you know much about Christianity, you know there are two big events on the yearly calendar that we celebrate. The first one is obviously the birth of of Christ, uh, or rather, I guess that would be the second one coming in the end of the year. Uh, but uh, the first one, as of where we're at on the calendar now, the next one we celebrate is what? Well, it's Easter, right? Or Resurrection Sunday, and uh, more accurately called. That's when Jesus resurrected from the dead. Can I just tell you something this evening before we read these verses? If I didn't believe with all my heart that Jesus actually rose back from the dead, I would not be standing right here right now. I'd be home with my feet kicked up. Doing a bunch of nothing. That's where I'd be right now. I'm here tonight and I hold the profession I hold and I do what I do because I believe with all my heart that Jesus stood up from the dead. You say, oh, Pastor Lejeune, how is that possible? He's God. He can do whatever He wants. He created life. He created death. And He can defeat it if that's what He wants to do. Look at Luke chapter 24, verse number 1. It says, Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed. Thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said, uh, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you uh, uh, when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Hey, listen, if we if if it were not for the resurrection of Jesus, you know what? His birth wouldn't even matter. If Jesus had been born and lived a good life, helped a lot of people, died up on that cross and his body would have stayed in the tomb. Christmas wouldn't be a thing. You understand that this evening? The fact that he rose from the dead that validates his entire life. There are many religions that say, well, 
They've got to figure out what to do with Jesus because he's such a huge figure in history. And many religions uh, don't believe in a Jesus system or in a system that requires Jesus to get them to heaven. So you ask them, well, what do you do with Jesus? And they say, well, we believe he was a good man, but that he wasn't God. Well, here's the problem with that. Over and over and over again, in the book of John, he claimed to be God. Claimed to be God. So either he is who he said he was or he is a lunatic. There really isn't any room in the middle. Either he was God on earth or he was a lunatic and you need to just ignore him totally. Right? Jesus stood up from the dead and we need to admire his resurrection. Uh, Does that amaze you? I think sometimes we hear that throughout the history of our life, year after year after year, and eventually we kind of begin to yawn at the idea that Jesus rose from the dead. What would you do if you were at a funeral and the person in the casket woke up, came back to life? What would you do if, if you were visiting the graveyard a week after, three days after, your loved one had been buried in the ground? And they, they push the casket open and start pushing their way through the dirt. It would be something, wouldn't it? You know... Um, When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for your sin. Somebody had to. When he rose from the dead, he gave himself the ability to not only have carried your sin away, but to give you eternal life. To give you the victory of heaven. In his death, he took away your sin. In his resurrection, he gives to you the option to have eternal life. To have eternal life. Let's finish this evening by looking at one more point. Notice, let us accept his eternal gift. Let us accept his eternal gift. Go, go over with me, if you would, to the book of Romans in chapter number six. Romans chapter number six. Look with me at verse number twenty three. Here we find really everything I'm trying to share with you this evening, or the thrust of what I'm trying to share with you this evening in one verse. Look at verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. Let's talk about that for a minute. The wages of sin is death. Okay? What is a wage? How many of you here work a job? Don't raise your hand. But those of you that work a job, you know what wages are, don't you? It's a payment. You get a paycheck, those are your wages. You go and you give your labor and you're exchanging that for a paycheck. If I went to work, I got I was gainfully employed somewhere other than here. I went to work and I showed up on payday and my boss didn't give me my check. I'd say, where's my check? I showed up on time. I did everything you asked me. I left and I was supposed to I didn't leave any earlier than I was supposed to leave. I even put in overtime for you, buddy. Where's my check? And he says, well, I just don't really feel like paying you. I'd say, well, you kind of need to pay me. I've got bills, right? I've got, got to feed my family. I've got to pay my mortgage. Where's my check? And, you know, we expect a check in exchange for our labor. If we didn't get the check, we would know that's volunteer. We get wages for our labor. The Bible says that you have a paycheck waiting for you in heaven. Or rather, on the other side of this life. It says the wages, the paycheck, 
of sin, that's breaking the law of God, is death. You say, well, I didn't break it as much as someone else. Well, that might be, but the Bible says if you've offended at one point, you've broken the whole law. You, you, you've, blown, you've blown it all open. You say, well, I've never killed anybody. Have you ever told a lie? How about Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden? Did they commit murder when they ate the fruit? No, they just disobeyed God. But God told them that day, I'm going to send one day someone to die for your sins. And because of your sin, you are cursed with death and even eternal death. The wages of sin is death. But I love that three letter conjunction there. But the gift of God. Look back there at verse 23. The gift of God is what? It's eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, God saw how broken that His humanity would be. Every one of us. He saw how broken you would be by your sin. And He saw that you would need a Savior. He saw that you would need to be rescued from that sin. So He sent Jesus to this earth. Jesus lived. He died. He became your sin on the cross. He went through hell on the cross so that you wouldn't have to go there for eternity. And in his death, he purchased something. He purchased something. I would assume everybody here this evening or most everybody here this evening has gifts in place ready to be exchanged tomorrow. Or maybe you've already done some gift giving, exchanging. If you are like me, you've spent a lot of money this year on buying gifts for people. Right? I don't walk into uh, Walmart and pick something up and walk out the front door. That's called shoplifting or a five-finger discount. All right, I don't do that kind of thing. I go to the register and I give them my currency in exchange for that gift. You see, God has a gift for you called eternal life. And He's not... Please hear me on this. Please listen. He's not asking you to pay for it. He does not want your good works... He does not want you to bow down to an idol. He does not want you to be faithful to church. He doesn't even need you to be in church to do it. He needs you to know that He's already purchased the gift on your behalf. And He's offering it to you. Free of charge. He's saying, here it is. You say, well, what do I got to do to get that gift? You need to extend your hand of faith and receive it. It's free. Right there. Extend your hand of faith and receive it. I finish with this. There was a man about 50 years ago who liked to do tightrope walking. He was very, very good at it. After walking between uh, the Grand Canyon or walking across the portion of the Grand Canyon and walking across um, uh, between some skyscrapers way up in the air, he decided to take on a more difficult feat. He stretched some, uh, some rope across the Niagara Falls, a portion of the Niagara Falls. And he announced that that day, uh, announced the day he was going to do it, and crowds gathered on the U.S. side, and crowds gathered uh, wherever the other side of that rope was, and, and he got his big, long pole, and he walked across a portion of the Niagara Falls, and when he got there, people clapped and cheered, and they were so excited. And, and then he got a wheelbarrow, and he pushed the wheelbarrow across a portion of of the Niagara Falls. And when he got back across, boy, the people clapped and cheered. And then he got a life-size 
uh, 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 mannequin and he put that in there. The, the weight of a human, he, uh, of a human man, and he put that in the wheelbarrow and he pushed that across the Niagara Falls. And, and everybody clapped and cheered. And when he got there, he said to the crowd, he said, how many of you believe that I could push a live human being in this wheelbarrow across that rope. And man, everybody's hand shot up and said, I believe you can do it. I have faith in you. He pointed to a man in the front row. He said, you get in the wheelbarrow. That man put his hand down and backed up real fast. As of would I, if my hand was up. You know, faith isn't just believing that somebody can do it at a distance. Faith is believing it can be done for you. It isn't good enough to know that Jesus was born factually. He died factually. He rose again factually. You've got to make it personal. You've got to know He did that for you. Hey, if you had been the only person that had ever lived and you had violated the laws of God, He would have found a way to allow Jesus to die for you to redeem your soul. The question tonight is simply this, on this Christmas Eve 2018, what will you do with the gift of Jesus? Will you believe? Will you extend your hand of faith and receive it? Or will you push it away and say, no, I'm not interested? I'm not interested. Boy, if I gave the life of my son down here on the front row to buy you a gift, if I allowed him to die so that I could give you a gift, and you slapped that away or pushed that away, no matter how courteous you were about it, my feelings would be deeply hurt. Tonight, God is looking down at your very soul. He wants to know what you're going to do with the gift He bought for you with the life of His son. Will you open up your heart and receive it? Or will you just push it away? Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed this evening if we could. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and was born amongst us. What a humble birth. He lived in perfect life, never committed a single sin. He hung up on that cross and God, our, God, our, God His Father, took... Your sin and my sin, the sin of every human being that's ever lived, and put those on Jesus. And Jesus died because of our sin. He rose from the dead for you. This Christmas, He offers you the gift of eternal life. You may go home tomorrow morning and wake up, may go home tonight, wake up tomorrow morning, and find that that very thing that you hoped to receive on Christmas was under the tree or out in the driveway or whatever the case may be. But my friend, there is no material item that could ever parallel or compare to the gift of eternal life. I don't think a single person here would turn away a, a free car. No strings attached, taxes paid, gas paid, insurance paid. I don't think anybody here would slap that away. Will you slap away eternal life? How about it tonight? Will you receive it? All you've got to do is simply extend your hand of faith and receive it. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says that all you've got to do is call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. I'd like to help you make that decision tonight. I'd like to help you tell God in heaven that you want his gift of eternal life. I'd like to help you to receive that gift right where you're sitting, right there where you are in the privacy of your seat, under your breath, 
Will you just whisper this simple prayer? And will you tell God that you want His gift of eternal life and you believe that He died for you? Will you turn from your, any unbelief in Him and choose to believe in Him? Just say this. Under your breath, right where you are, just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have broken your law. Thank you for coming and being born on this earth. Thank you for living a perfect life. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for resurrecting from the dead. Please give me your gift of eternal life. And take me to heaven when I die. I believe in you and you alone for my eternal salvation. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer in your seat right where you are, I'd like to rejoice with you. Would you just, just slip your hand up and right back down? Just slip it up and right back down. If you prayed that prayer, I see one hand. I see another hand. Are there others? You say, I prayed that prayer this evening. I see another hand. Are there others? Pastor Lejeune, I prayed that prayer with you. I accepted the free gift of Jesus to go to heaven. You see, uh, there's a saying that says, all good things come to an end. Well, not eternal life. That's the greatest thing you could get, and it's never going to come to an end. If you prayed that prayer with me right where you are, would you just pray this prayer to your breath? Would you just say, thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for that gift of eternal life. Help me to grow in my new relationship with you. In Jesus' name. I want to thank all of you for listening tonight. You can look this way. I want to thank all of you for coming this evening and being here as we have looked at the whole reason why Jesus was born. If the ushers could begin to prepare uh, for the lighting of the candles, they're going to make their way to the back and prepare for that. If you'd have your candles and listen closely uh, to the instructions, our ushers are going to come down beginning from the front and work their way back. Uh, they're going to light the candles on the end. Please share your flame until everybody in your pew has received uh, the flame and, and has their candle lit. And once all the candles are lit, we're going to turn out the lights and we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll stand up and we'll sing Silent Night, Holy Night. We're going to put the words up on this screen up here. And so we encourage you to uh, participate uh, in that uh, portion. So let's take, uh, let's take a moment. Men, when you're ready, let's go ahead and begin lighting the flames. If you have small children with you, use your parental discretion on whether or not you think they should have a candle. And if so, make sure you keep a close eye on them.
the last few people in the back of the auditorium taken care of here. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and turn off the lights. Brother George, if you get that backlight for me. Let's stand together if we could. Words will be on the screen. We'll sing the first and last verse of Silent Night together. have a word of prayer and we'll blow out our candles and we'll be dismissed tonight. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for the celebration of your birth. Thank you for your life. Lord, I pray everyone here tonight would leave and go about their way. Help us all to enjoy a quiet day tomorrow, a calm day tomorrow as we celebrate your birthday. Lord, we're thankful. Help us to keep this spirit of gratitude in the weeks and months to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a good night.